You. Are now. About to witness. The awesome. Crushing a mighty. Of the U.S. Robinson Show Stopper! Welcome, my friends, to a show that's Seemingly never sort of kind of never ends. This is show 155. And I am your host, Eugene S. Robinson. Got a lot to talk about today. But first, stigmata. From Calling of the Just. The song as it's been since 2007. Intro, all of nothing. Still available from CFY Records, <laughs> Stanford, California, where they don't hit your car with a hammer, nor do they shoot you to death in a nightclub. Want to find out how to get a hold of CFY Records? You're looking at it. Anyway, let's let Bob sing us in as he has. Listen well. I love this intro. I would have to, right? I'm taking a real good look at you. Real good look at your face. So being paid back in full, always nothing. All right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, uh, 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 I don't know how do you even start. Interestingly enough, given how soft yesterday was, the the general softness of the March sixth offering. Ah, hey, good for you. Congrats, your first live show. Uh, given this, the, the, the paucity of, 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 of precincts of uh, the March 6th uh, UFC offering, um, it, 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 it's strange that I would feel so upbeat. But I got a cable. I got a new light. I got a table that works. All I got a lavalier microphone, all courtesy of use. Uh, you guys want the show to be better. The show gets better. Thank you for, for uh, uh, kidding me out. And even if you take into account Mr. Mr. IS, he's not here. He said he wasn't going to make the show, but he even gave me a run order of things I should probably try to talk about the show. Of course, I've lost it. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it doesn't help to have it, but it doesn't matter because I dance to the tune of no drummer. Jealous beat, right? So, uh, but first of all, oh, here it is. Here it is. Here, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Um, so I, I'm not going to stick to his, but it, it was entertaining and it was a challenge. Anyway, so let's start off with the commercials because commercials are what keep this thing looking like it's looking. Uh, I actually figured out figured out that I'm going through puberty and that um, and that Patreon.com slash the Stomper. I actually went the other day to look. It is the Stomper. See, you see, you see. What's funny is, it, what's funny is, you know, you raise a level, I raise a level. You raise a level, I raise a level. I used to do the show from my car, in my underwear, <laughs> while driving. <laughs> but you know, right? So, uh, so Patreon.com/slash/TheStomper. Uh, if you want to donate money, uh, Pinko, P-I-N-K-O. 95014 at yahoo.com. Um, you can PayPal me that way, 
Also, you can go through, because it makes me feel better, there's a more one-to-one -one relationship, you can go to uh, uh, eugenesrobinson.substack.com. I don't know if all of you subscribe. You can, you can get the newsletter for free. Today, this was going to be a little bit boring for people who like the show. It was on the Carl Rove thing, and you heard me talk about it before, but you can't Donna Shalala me on my own uh, uh, newsletter. But there are a vast number of people who are getting the newsletter, uh, mostly brought in by uh, 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 the Albini piece, I have to say honestly, and my, my piece on uh, being called a, a nigger six times, which was last week. I don't use the N-word, so uh, it, it, we're not children. You know, uh, I, 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 if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, these are the words that, that, that are used that we're talking about. Did it hurt my feelings? I don't think so. So those two pieces went through the roof. Um, and, and the Al Albini piece got picked up by aggregators. So uh, most, of, most of which did the right, most of whom which did the right thing. There used to be a guy, Ray, Ray Weingartner, used to work out my gym in Brooklyn. He would say, I used him as a character in a long, slow screw. He said, Eugene, I don't care. I don't care whether you're tall, whether you're short, whether you're black, you're white, you're Chinese, you're Japanese, you're Korean, you're Vietnam. So yeah, I get it, Ray. Vietnamese, don't interrupt me. Uh, I don't care if you live over here, there. I don't care. You're tall, you're short, you're fat, you're... I got it, Ray. Don't interrupt me. Fat or skinny, I don't care. It's just this, Eugene. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. So yeah, largely, largely, let's, let, let's do the right thing. So... um. So if you go to the newsletter, the one that might bore longtime listeners is called Mephisto Waltzing with Carl Rove. And it's about, it's about my time, my time, my brief time with Carl, Carl Rove, the architect of George W. Bush's uh, uh, presidential wins and a longstanding uh, Republican operative. Um, and, and I talk about it. One, these, the newsletter, it's mostly a place where I can't put stuff that, that would go in Aussie. And you'll see frequently during the thing, it's about the length of an Aussie piece. Um, I link to, to my Aussie stories throughout the piece. If you click on it, it's hyperlinked to the Aussie stories. Um, so the Aussie stories provide the kind of public, um, cleared by a legal department face, uh, of the Eugene Rob Eugene S. Robinson story, the newsletter stuff. <coughs> sorry, the newsletter stuff is the stuff probably not going to make it into into Ozzy. I have a little bit more latitude, and uh, inevitably, I'm always kind of struggling with uh, with the editors at Ozzy over uh, my florid word choices. And I had I'll give you an example of what I mean. I used in, I have a, a one coming up on uh, on cops. Rogue, I think it actually already ran on rogue cops. And like these are cops who are off duty who are committing crimes. And I referred to the cops as peace officers. And the editor kicked it back and said, I'm going to call them uh, uh, police officers. Well, I use three designations for cops in the piece. I go, I start with peace officer, and then I go to police officer, and then I go to cops. None of it was accidental, all of it was quite purposeful. But his take was, people don't know what a peace officer is. I'm like, okay, okay. My friends know. And if they don't know, there's a little thing called dictionary.com or Google, but whatever. I'm assuming most of us have heard that word, peace officer. In any case, I don't have to argue with anybody about the pieces that go in the newsletter. So you might sign up for it. This one about, about uh, uh, Carl Rove, many of you maybe have heard me tell the stories on the show before, if you've listened for long enough probably back when it was even knuckle up. That be it as it may, it's a good, it, it, it's a good, it's a good one this week. And it, and it brings up, it brings up kind of what is going to kick off the whole show. Um, and, and uh, you know, contemporaneously to this, I'll tell you that Kid, Kid Nate had a birthday. And Kid Nate made a very interesting joke on his Facebook page. I don't know if you follow him on Facebook, but he made an interesting joke and he said something that, you know, I'm I'm finally finally with a full deck, and I was like, God, oh, I like that. It's it's pretty oblique. And then I finally figured out, oh, full deck. He means 52 cards in the deck. Maybe he's 52, right? I go, oh, that's good. That's cool. And then I I kind of make a joke, and I say I say, man, I didn't know that there were 69 69 cards in the deck. 
And he goes, he, and then he makes some kind of counter, counter joke. Uh, well, he's actually in my deck, they're 49. So I guess he's not 52, maybe he's 49. 49 and I, he says, in my deck, they're 49. He makes a joke. So in one of the comments, I go, yeah, all jokers. And I pause. And I think for a second. And I write, and Queens. And he responds with a emoji, a shocked face emoji, and then said, you're lucky I don't have more friends who are millennials. We'd be canceling your ass. <laughs> and, and I said, I'm talking about face cards. I don't know what you're talking about. And he may have commented since then. I don't know what he said. So I start thinking about these things. I start thinking about that. I start thinking about, um, I, I start thinking about, Mm, uh, cancel culture as a, my connection to Carl Rowe. And then there are a couple of other people I mentioned during the piece on Carl Rowe talk about the Nazi, not neo-Nazi, actual Nazi that I had dinner with in Hamburg. And I wrote a piece about it for Ozzy and I linked to the piece. And, um, and then I mentioned Anton LaVey. And then somebody recently in, on the Twitter machine was giving me a hard time about this association with Anton LaVey, uh, some religious lunatic. So I start to think cancel culture. First of all, I hate that. I hate that word, woke, cancel culture, all this stuff. I call it internet words. And by which I mean 99% of the chances that the first time you heard that word or used it, it was on the internet. I got a cable now. I'm not relying on Wi-Fi. I got a cable going right into the wall. So if there's a problem, the problem is either with Xfinity or it's with uh, YouTube. It looks like I'm back. I want to complain about. It. So I start to think about this whole thing. You know, th these are words that somebody, nobody stood in your face and said it for the first time you heard it. So it's this internet cult, some algorithmically derived culture. So I, when people start using it with me, I don't know what you're talking about. What, what do you mean woke? I don't know woke. What, what, what do you mean? What, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? The, the, the internet culture. And so I did cancel culture. And then Bill Burr, one of my favorite comedians comedians on the face of the earth is now defending Gina Carano. And so my attitude, whatever happened to fucking uh, laissez-faireism? Whatever happened to that? You know, the people got so exercised with uh, Steve Albini. Steve Albini wrote me. Let, me, let me read you what Steve Albini wrote. Nobody knows this yet. I haven't put this out. I haven't put this out at, at, at all anywhere. Uh, um, I was going to put it in the comments but then I decided, well, you know, fuck it. Steve just sent it to me directly. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what he said. And it's, it's, it's amusing. Uh, uh, Steve Albini. Let's see what he says. So he says, so he writes this piece on the newsletter. And if, you, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, I suggest you get the newsletter. Right? So he says, uh, whoa, bud. We summon the Rogan troll army. Never have I had, never had so many invitations to choke on cock before. The piece has been paraphrased in a bunch of music sites, and they literally all ignored the racism and poverty paragraphs, but spotlighted the single word Rogan. What a fucking world, huh? Hope you're well. Good luck with the last baby, Steve. Um, so, so people are like writing me in the comments of the Steve piece, trying to get me ratchet some guys like I want you to explain your opinion and I said hey are you a paying customer because they have different levels you can $70 a year $7 a month or a lifetime membership at 210 some people have gone for that I'll answer if you're one of those people but if you're just some guy with fingers probably not I've answered as much and I don't feel like there's any need I, I don't understand the outrage, umbrage, and I tried to talk about that the last week when I was talking about my, my friend from what used to be Soviet Georgia. So Eugene, you, you know, people could say anything they want to me, they put their hands on me, then it's all over. But, you, you know. So now Bill Burr is, is crying and wringing his hands in public and he's trembling over Gina Carano. Now, if you're trying to get at that, okay, I got you, bro. White knight your way right there. Though you, I'm sure you got a beautiful, healthy, happy marriage and a wife at home and a daughter and stuff. Might me want to stick with that. But, oh, she's just the biggest sweetheart. And what are you, what are you, you, you know, you, <laughs> I mean, people come up to me, oh, you know, it's Steve, I'm beating, he's a piece of shit. And I just said, oh, that's like your opinion, dude. 
Cause yeah, but I want you to. You have a different opinion. Explain your opinion. What do I have to explain? I play pool with the guy. He recorded some of our records. Have dinner with him. Find him to be a perfectly congenial guy. What else? What else? What else? How else do you want me to? Go? And is it? Well, this falls dangerously close to Eugene Eugene S. Robinson's. He's always been nice to me. Charles Manson always nice to me. When they were giving me records to sell in the store, and he was get, sending tapes for me. From through his lawyer and photos to run articles in my magazine, or for him to give me audio tapes for me to put on. Um, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I put this out. It's available through uh, merch oxbow.merchtable.com or something like that. Same place the hardcore t shirts are available. Um, always nice to me. And I. I and and uh, um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Phone call level. Uh, uh, Finley Beaton did it. I guess he doesn't need me blasted out. I talked to him last week. That was a good conversation. This is the guy who's done all the analysis of the care don't care picks and, and picks and pans and, and who's been most accurate. Oh, <laughs> you know, I had a date once, and I uh, yeah, one time. And I, I hung my coat on the back of the chair in the restaurant, and it fell off, and it made that noise. I got clunk, and everybody in the restaurant kind of looked over, and I was like, <laughs> "Keys." <laughs> That—that's of course not what was in the pocket of my coat, but uh, we'll leave that to the imagination. So I don't understand all this. Look, you could come up to me and say, hey, "People have come up to me and said, hey, your friend, your friend Russo, yeah, he's a kind of like a creepy douche.'" I go, "Okay." Somebody, a friend of mine was uh, a dating this woman and her, her good friend was my girlfriend at the time. We were talking back in the eighties. And he said, he said to me, you know, uh, you know, Di Diana, talking to Diana and she was saying, you know what Jessica said, you know, and it was some outre sexual experience that, you know, that Eugene and, and she, you know, I think it was anal sex or something. Right. So, uh, and and he he stopped her and he goes, Eugene's a friend of mine, and frankly I don't want to hear it. And that stopped that conversation. Now I I would have said, well, his name was Mark, and I was like, uh, cool, Mark, that's cool, uh, but I don't really I, I I don't care. Maybe this is kind of my spectrum behavior. Okay, so let's let's push out the yard marker a little bit. A few years ago, and I say a few, you know, my sense of time is damaged. Maybe this was 20 years ago. There were two uh, two students from uh, Berkeley, University of California at Berkeley, and they had gone to. And I could have some of this wrong. They had gone to Reno to the casino. Now, a lot of parents who are degenerate gamblers and bad parents will also go to the casinos with their kids because they figure it's like a casino wonderland. You know, you give the, the kids can't gamble, but their lights, their shiny things, their things ring. And so they let their, their son and their daughter go. The daughter is like eight years old. Um, and they're running around and ripping and running. One of the college kids decides to join in and plays hide and go seek with these kids. Well, one thing leads to another. The college student ends up dragging the eight-year-old girl into a bathroom stall to hide tells his buddy to watch the door, and he subsequently rapes an eight-year-old. He may have raped and killed her. I don't remember. It gets very hard for me to concentrate at this point with stories like this. So they find the guy, cameras. It doesn't matter. Race is not a factor, but the girl was African-American. The, guy, the guys, the rapist was white. Noteworthy because people pr pretty much don't often rape across race lines, according to those who pay attention to statistics. Yeah, you walked into the middle of a hor horrible story. So it goes to trial. And the guy who did the raping and the killing, he's gone, right? He's, he's, he's gone. He's go he gone, ski, never getting out of jail again. But the issue, the ethical issue, hung on the cat who stood by the door.
Moreover, the cat who stood by the door and after it was revealed that the girl was either raped and or killed, said nothing. This guy went to trial, I think state's evidence, pled out, and got out with time served, which was like six months, and went back to Berkeley, which flipped people out. Like, yeah, we can't go to school. And I think the guy had to change his name and so on. So now that's a level of, when we talk about no snitch culture, that's, a, that's an extreme level. That's, if we're going to push out the goalpost, that's the goalpost. So when I talk about laissez-faireism, you come up to me and you say, you know, that kid not there is a complete piece of shit. I go, I don't feel that way. He's been nothing but a prince to me, but you might have a different experience. Charles Manson, always nice to me, but I understand that maybe, you know, there's some people, Cielo Drive in, uh, in L.A., connected. They might, not, they might feel differently. I understand that. I wasn't standing in front of the door at Cielo Drive, nothing to do with Cielo Drive. I'm just saying in my brief, I understand the guy was a murdering, well, maybe he didn't murder anybody, but accessory to murder piece of shit doesn't make, in this narrow window of dealings with me, and then this, the extreme case, you set the goalpost down, the guy standing outside, which I think by today's standards, he would also go to jail for, for life. Accessory, enabling, uh, conspiracy to uh, whatever, whatever. So when I talk about, like I do in the newsletter, Car Carl Rove, and you can see, well, I don't want to give you a, a, a spoiler alert. <laughs> Yeah, I'm laughing at that recent comment about Nate Manson. Yeah, it's spoiler. I don't want to go to the to the end of the story, but you can see all throughout that I'm really conflicted. As conflicted as I was at the dinner with the Nazi. And I quote the line that has me confused. And it's a line from Catch 22, where he says, where the Sarian's Rebop is like, well, you know, they're trying to kill everybody. Or he says, I would be a fool if I, if I did otherwise. In other words, if 99 out of 100 people are going to, if 99 out of 100 people, when your government says to sign up to go fight in Vietnam, sign up to go up to fight in Vietnam, I'd be crazy to do otherwise. When they gave, I always never remember whether it was Plato or, uh, or Socrates, when they gave him the poison and his, his, his students were like, well, we can sneak you out. He goes, why would I do that? So, so you don't have to die. He goes, no, 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 the state feels strongly enough about this, wants me to die. Who am I to, to resist? That was extreme lazy affairism. It's like, eh, hands off, eh, whatever. They want me to die. It's all right. It's their loss. I'm not suggesting that either. But to, to a certain degree, I mean, you know, like when I made the case I made to Albini was there's some people on my keep list that I can't toss. A prime example being Mike Tyson. And he's like, well, Albini says in the piece, he goes, you know, I was never, I'm not as big of a fight fan as you are, so he was dead to me to begin with, or something to that effect. So, well, with at least Tyson, I could say he's paid his debt to society. The guy who stood, get, who stood guard over the door where the eight-year-old girl was raped and murdered could also say, I served my debt to society. Cancel culture, where does it play in? At what point do you adjudicate that somebody is beyond the pale of, of, of polite and comfortable society? Last week, we talked about the cat, uh, the cat who uh, people were saying, you know, Eugene defriend him and several people defended him because he got into some um, kerfuffle with somebody and, and he called the guy, uh, hurled racial invective at the guy. And then people said, want to know whether he was black or white, and he refused to answer that question. Of, of course, and I'm not going to say the name of his show because I don't want to ruin it, bro, because I want to respect his privacy. Of course, but I could just tell you right now, because he's African-American. Well, he's not African-American. He's, what do you call Brits? BIPOC, right? Is it black and indigenous people of color? I guess. He, he, he's, he's British. And he's got skin like mine. So whatever. African British. Brit African. Whatever that's called. Um, so he refused to say, you want to, you know, you want to defend me? Go ahead, is, was his attitude. 
I, you know, I didn't. I was, I, I was kind of curious. I said, I asked him, I said, why are people suggesting I defriend you? And he kind of goes through the history. I like the laissez-faireism. It is a piece I wrote for Ozzy about busybodyism, which is the counter to that. Not only is it anti-laissez-faireism, but there's an urge to get involved in everybody's business. Now, with Kid Nate, it was a joke, you know, uh, uh, where I said, uh, 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 it's all jokers and queens. And I said, oh, face cards. He said, oh, you, you could get cast. And then there's all this fur, Bill, fewer, where Bill Burr is like nervous about Gina Carano. Gina Carano, you want to get nervous about somebody living on the fringe? Get nervous about me. How about that, bro? Bill Burr, Mr. Multimillionaire, why don't you worry about me? Don't worry about Gina Carano. Gina Carano was fine. But I don't understand this. this I, I, I guess this, this, these are people who have not been in dangerous situations enough. Read my piece from last week. When I talk about being in the basement out, out, out in uh, the border of Brooklyn and Queens with the mafia enforcer, and the guy's about to kill me, and I'm 16 years old, and he goes, if I get one more peep out of you, I'm going to fucking kill you. And everything in my being was, was like, I just wanted to peep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, buddy. Nope. No. Read the newsletter last week. You've heard me talk about it. But Lester was his name. In the Aussie, they were worried about it, so I had to use Les for his name. His real name was Lester. I'd like to find him now. Well, actually, you know what? No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> so you, you got to figure out where you're going to put the goalpost. And, and, and put it in the land, but in regards to in regards to Carl Rove, um, read the piece. But like I said before, for those of you who go back to Knuckle Up days, I found the guy to be smart, and, and so smart that when I started to kind of, I never got to the point where I wanted to say ha have him answer for what I felt were his crimes. A prime example of a certain type of busybodyism, but he sought me out. So I figure, okay, all bets are off. I, I he didn't get, I didn't get around to doing it, and he would have answered. But I'm sure what he said, what he said is like, I would have been fool, a fool to do otherwise. Much like the Nazi I had dinner with in Hamburg years ago. Or to quote Klaus Barbie, he says, what do I have to feel sorry for? If I had a thousand lifetimes to lead, I would lead them as I've led this one. I was a highest ranking officer and one of the best militaries. That's all that mattered to him. I understand the, the, the actual job. I mean, this is, this is the divide between these old Nazis when they catch him. They go, you don't understand. Nothing we say or do here today will bring back those 12 million people. Nothing. And the fact that we lost this war actually is probably an indication that it may not happen again, but who knows? It's something about the German mindset where this, this, where the crying over spilt milk. And I always defend the right of the, the aggrieved party to complain forever. And I will complain about the politics that Karl Rove advanced forever. But face to face across drinks with the guy, he was nice to me. How do you make sense? No, not neo-Nazi, Nazi, Nazi. You read the thing. In the newsletter this week, there's a link to the article, which I think on Aussie is called My Night with a Nazi. <laughs> and it wasn't a pleasant one either. As you might imagine, the guy was kind of a piece of shit. I, hate, I didn't really want to say that in the piece because he's a friend of mine's father. He, my friend was adopted. I'll tell you something that was weird and happened at, at the wedding where we were having dinner, where this guy and some of his old Nazi buddies were following me around, whispering, looking at each other, and following me around through the whole course of the evening, periodically having runs at me to debate, ah, what about American society? What do you mean? You're homeless. It's like, man, I'm just, hey, I'm just, I'm having a drink, buddy. <laughs> we're not going to refight the war here, you know? He's like literally follow me around from like from the hors d'oeuvre table to the drink table, trying to continue some sort of argument because he didn't like me and I didn't like him. 
he he said like uh, I'm a frank talking man. Usually, as an example, to be an asshole, I'm a frank talking man. That's fine. And he asked one personal question too many, and I go, oh, okay, now it's on. So what did you do here in Germany? He's like, well, like, you know, I'm a, it was a chemical engineer, a petroleum engineer. I go before then. He goes, oh, well, I got my PhD in petroleum engineering. Oh, before then, oh, I spent a lot of time in Africa. Before then. And then he paused and looked at me, and looked at each other, and he goes, well, you know, I bought the whole thing, hook, line, and sinker, and then we rebuilt Hamburg to how you see it today. <laughs> I mean, there were other, other nuances, but the weirdest thing about this wedding that I didn't write into the piece was that he was in his 80s. I mean, he was a Nazi, Nazi, right? He's in his 80s, and he adopted, he adopted uh, his son, my friend, much later. There had been some rumor that my son, my son, his son, was Jewish, and that this was a certain way for him to atone for whatever bullshit he told his son, that his son then passed on to me. I didn't buy it for a second. But there was this weird discontinuity at the wedding. They're giving the testimonials. And, you know, I got my functioning German. I'm kind of piecing it together. And at one point, everybody turns around. Like, and I'm like, oh, shit, what's happening? You know, like the wedding. They all turn around. And then they put on those. They had When their backs were to us, they had put on those, uh, those novelty glasses with the big noses. So his name was Michael. They're kind of making fun of Michael's big nose. And I thought if a guy with a yarmulke comes dancing out with the big nose and the glasses, I'm out. Like, I'm out. Because I know when when the three Nazis follow me around from the hors d'oeuvre table, I know we're not. (laughs) This is going to turn into a rally. I got to get out, right? I didn't mention that in the piece because I don't want to get into the guy's personal business, right? But whatever. So I say this by a prelude. This is essentially a big commercial for the Substack. But at the same time, this shitty, shitty oofsie that we just saw this past weekend, never have I seen something that had such fantastic promise and that's so aggressively underdelivered, and it's not because my picks were off. I think I had four picks on, and I got I got I got three right and one wrong. Uh, no, that can't be right. I think I got I got I got one right and three wrong. I'm not cranky. Uh, I'm not cranky because of this. I'm not cranky because of this. Uh, not, 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 not at all. I'm cranky because what I saw was lacking. What we saw in that main fight was a lose-lose. It was a lose-lose. I mean, and sometimes you have to run the risk of of a lose-lose. Like, like, uh, like Izzy said. Like Izzy said, he goes, you know, you want to, or, or to phrase Kanye, or uh, um, I'm dope. I do dope shit. Izzy was like, "You wanted to drive great. If you want to get off the hype train, get the fuck off. But if you try great stuff, you, you know you gotta." So yeah, try, trying great stuff. I'm always gonna have respect for a guy who runs in a cave and punches the bear in the mouth, even if he dies. But I would have been much more happy if he runs in the cave, punches a bear in the mouth, and gets away with it. And when I saw. That essentially Nate Diaz's thing of, hey, if you think laying on your promise for 25 minutes is going to help, you know, I mean, fundamentally, I thought that scoring was crazy. Crazy. Like crazy. I mean, because I would have given the first three rounds to him or very close. I wouldn't have given those, those numbers. The bald one seemed to sort of agree with me. Crazy. But eventually he's a, he gets to the championship rounds and he's like, screw this. My favorite, my favorite was uh, Johnny Boney Joni taking that little clip 
of 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 Izzy being on his back, getting elbowed in his face, and then like trying to get up and not being able to get up. They do jujitsu. I tell you, I got these killers, these uh, Ukrainian Romanian killers, uh, jujitsu guys are two two one the guy is two fifty five. That guy's on top of you. He's he's now like a blue belt. I don't care, man. It's misery. Misery. The baby's watching me. <laughs> Even the room, 220, uh, but he's 220. And he's laying on me, it's, and he's strong. It's misery. Misery. But there's certain things over the course of time I've learned to do. Okay, Izzy's a blue belt. I'm a brown belt. But okay, he didn't do any of them. He seems to me, out of all the people, he seems educable. Aljo Sterling, educable. Czech Congo, educable. Overeem, educable. Some of these cats go away, they take a loss, and they come back and it's the same guy. So the first thing I think is like, okay, it's a lose-lose, but I don't, I, I think that woe betide the next person at 185 who has to fight Izzy because he's going to get murked. And I have no doubt in my mind that Izzy at this point is going to ratchet up, ratchet up the groundwork. I think he just thought, you know, I, I grappled with Chuck Liddell. People forget he went to college at like, the San Luis Obispo. He was a wrestler. His his wrestling, his wrestling. Yeah, there's a possibility that it could it could be it could be a Holly Holmes thing, but I don't think so. First of all, I don't trust anybody with an undefeated record. I think it's doctored. I respect him more having a loss on that record. I think I think he's gonna have to he's gonna have to take another sweep at a light heavy before talking about fighting a guy who uh, Johnny Boney Joni, who's now a heavyweight, makes any sense at all. And I think he's pretty much gonna have to spend exclusively. I mean, you've seen it work better that you can with MMA boxing that you've been able to get a solid wrestler and teach him teach him a few combinations and have those work out case after case after case where it's actually been the case, then that you're going to take a solid striker. Chuck Liddell had a wrestling base. Then you're going to take a solid striker, an Overeem, a Czech Congo, and you're going to get them to be a good grappler in a year. You know how long I've been doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Solidly? And this last year out doesn't help. Eight, eight years solidly. The most I was going nine times, nine times a week. Average was uh, uh, nine times a week for I did that for about three or four months before I almost died. But usually before the pandemic, six days a week. And progress is slow. So I'm hoping that Izzy does that. Uh, and, you know, uh, I should never have picked against Blahovitz, but I'm always going to pick for greatness. And fundamentally, I'm going to have the situation third outing in a row when Jan has to fight Glover Teixeira um, where I'm going to be like, eh, man, man, oh, man, because you're not going to be able to do that to Glover. I mean, most my problem with Jan at this point, most of my problem with Jan is that I remember losing Jan. That's what I remember. I don't remember the streaking Jan. I remember the losing Jan Blachowicz. And if you thought that those three first three rounds had, was him at his best looking good, then you don't remember what I remember. So I think he came out of it looking, looking more meh than he needed, than he, than he did going into it. And I think Izzy, you know, the fire in Izzy's eye at the press conference some people have to have it happen. I mean, a lot of people who took martial arts, me included, had something really horrible happen to them in their past. So horrible that after it happened, you go, that's not going to happen again. That is not going to happen again. And you take really active and aggressive steps to make sure that that's the part where you start, stop having dreams where you're being chased by things. And then you're having dreams where you're chasing things.
Okay, so that was one of the championship bouts. Didn't deliver in my eyes. Amanda Nunes and Megan or Megan Anderson. Yep. I, I, this is, there should be an emoji for this where I'm like, and at the last second, I was deceived. I was like, huh, you know, I was doing the Princess Bride thing. Well, if you put the poison in that cup, you would take that one, but you wouldn't take that one if you had the other one. If you had the poison in the cup, I was doing the Princess Bride thing. I go, look at the odds. These odds are so crazy. If I put just $100, money I could stand to lose on a Megan Anderson and she wins, whoo, was that $13,000 payout? It's worth, it's worth the bargain. It's worth uh, they, this is just the kind of thing they do. This is just the kind of, and I talked myself into this fever pitch and I actually saw this video in my head of, of, of Amanda on the ground and, you know, getting just pummeled and I was like, oh, but yeah, I didn't bet the money. <laughs> I was just to feel it. I didn't realize it was such a height difference. I said, well, you know, Chandler was when he got the guy in the clothes, sometimes, you know, you never know. But that was ridiculous. 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 What was it? 49 seconds? Ridiculous. It did one good thing, though. It did one super good thing. Remember, every time you win, you open the door a crack by, through which people can see into a skill set that ideally they never see 100% of. Just a little bit. And what did you see? Yeah. A little bit. You see, oh, man. That's right. Amanda's good on the ground. That's all she needed. She, you needed to get a peek through the bathroom window, boom, and it's closed. That's all you need to see to remember. So if you had any plans that you were going to try to Izzy Amanda, because all you remember of her as a striker, you can just forget that. Forget that. Overpromised, underdelivered. Second championship fight, snoozer. You know how many of you texted me or tweeted me last night during the fights and said I fell asleep? It wasn't only Tommy LB. Others. Nash said early today when we recorded Care Don't Care, which debuts tomorrow at noon, said that he fell asleep. Or either he fell asleep or he felt like he was falling asleep. Okay, Aljo Sterling and Petter Jan. Okay, Petter Jan was my pick. And he was winning that fight. The, 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 I, I, I went off on him on Care Don't Care because there's no, the, you know, I think Khabib, you, you, you know, the nationalism is a weird thing. Khabib was saying, well, what they were saying in Russian was kick him, kick him, and, and Peter wouldn't go for that. He says, you know what, I, I couldn't even hear my corner. I just saw his hands up and I thought maybe he was shooting in on me and uh, delivered the knee. Steph was the one who told me it hit him in the temple. At first, I saw, I haven't watched it the second time. I thought it hit him in the forehead of the eye. But of course, when you get to Team February, I'm not saying dude was faking it. <laughs> I'm not. I don't want to say that because I don't think he's a good enough actor to, with the sobbing. He could have been laughing. I don't know. I didn't lick the tears off his face to see if they had saline in them. But, but I, I, I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to have, you know, instead of saying, yeah, you know, when Anthony Smith did it and you said, with John Jones, you said Anthony Smith should have, should have fought through it. And I said, yeah, Anthony Smith, whatever. If you can, you should. If you can't, don't. The question is, was Aljamain Sterling dogging it or not? The reality of it was, I'm not even thinking about Aljamain right now. I think he was being pieced up for the first three rounds. And uh, and uh, and he was getting tired. Um, and what Trevor Whitman said it best, and he was like, you know, um, um, yeah, exactly. That Trevor Whitman said it best. Where he's like, he was too hyped. He was too. He's he needs to calm down. And Petter was calm. And I I, I know this is about Russian fighters traditionally. And keep in mind, I was doing I was doing uh, uh, MMA events in. In 1998-99 in St. Petersburg, I was do I was interview I was doing I was doing a whole Joe game. I was interviewing fighters after they got out of out of the cage for German TV. I have man, I, I've been strange places. Who knows? My favorite was interviewing the the Russian fighter who had a, a chest size swastika 
on his chest. <laughs> Real beefy guy. And it was like, it filled up his whole peck. And I had a translator, this woman named Ola, which is how she said I should pronounce what Americans would say, Olga. <laughs> and, and I'm just looking at him and, you know, you know, got the mic back and forth. And I'm just, <laughs> man, bro, you, you're, you thinking about having a career with this and all that, you know. Um, anyway. So, Petter, you know, I found Russian fighters to be stolid, unemotional. It's a, it's a generalization, but that's what I found them to be. But, you know, um, um, you know, I, I don't know. The, the thing is, the thing is, Alan Germain is educable, but so is Jan. So they're going to go away from this fight. They're going to watch this. And whenever they meet up again, it could be good justifying it however however i have serious questions about whatever brain fart occurred that made petter do that he says it wasn't my corner i mean if you've been following mma in the last 20 years if you're a, a long time head like me you know at a certain point yeah, they were doing stuff like that i remember it when they were doing stuff like that headbutts i remember all that stuff but if you've been paying attention the last 20 years, you know, that's no way, no way. And don't tell me you didn't know. I, I miscalculated his height. I thought he was coming in for a shot. If somebody was filleting you, do you know the difference between them being on their knees and them squatting? You do. Come on. So championship, overpromised, underdelivered. What am I missing? Uh, I have to give my hats. I, I didn't care about, I have to say, I didn't care about the Tim Elliott fight, but that thing with Jordan Espinoza and, it, and, and of course on my feed, it was bleeped. And then I found out from Steph this morning that it was, he was saying, so you like to hit women, huh? And they, and then he, he, his corner told him to cool it down. Then they asked the people who had the mics open, asked him about it. And he, and I retweeted the email that he got from, from uh, Espinoza's ex about how abusive he was. And he wasn't even really an ex. And then uh, Tim Elliott explained, he goes, hey man, I got a daughter. Like a friend of mine once said, oh, you know, these, these, these anti-Semites and he's trying to explain to me. And I'm like, hey man, like he's trying to explain to me, but he's trying to give these guys a buy. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold on. You don't have to be Jewish to understand that anti-Semitism is fucked up. Don't make excuses for these guys. So, um, 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 so, um, so he's 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 elbow and he's doing he's doing what they used to call ripping, right? Ripping, and I which I, I've talked about in the old shows and what I do when I do. That's, that's what almost got me killed at the Cow Pals when they bumped me down three age groupings and up two weight categories. And some guy did some research and heard me talk about EJJ. I was like, yeah, I wasn't going to let you EJJ me. But the reality of it is it works better if nobody's expecting it. But if I have to move this arm from this side of your head to this side of your head and I want to maintain control, and I kind of would put it, you know, to hold your head down and go, no, ripping Carl Gotch and these other cats, they would make you feel every inch of that. So I got to move my hand from here to here. You're going to feel that whole blade of, right across your right across your face. Yeah, I didn't really go too much in, 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 into, into Jan, except to say that I think everybody lost in that fight. So um, so he's, he's also, you like to hit girls, huh? You like to hit girls, huh? And he's like, you don't know. And they're actually having this discussion. Yeah, you actually having this discussion, and he's like, "You don't know the whole story." He goes, ah, and then <laughs> arguing about this guy's, this, you know, domestic DV beef. Uh -huh. uh, oh, oh, okay, Dominic, Dominic Cruz. He says Dominic Cruz solidifying his role in the Lost Battalion. I don't think so. I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So he was rubbing blood in the guy's eyes. Yeah, he, he just he was he was bud. He, if you don't remember L.A. Confidential, he was fundamentally Bud, Bud, 
in, in L.A. Confidential, the uh, uh, Russell Crowe's character. Russell Crowe, who I saw the other day playing tennis. Bro, 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 bro. I, I'm a big Russell Crowe fan, but you got to put down the ribs, the cornbread. Uh, unless you're preparing for some special role that has you playing fatty arbuckle, bro, you got to start to reduce the calories. Stop it. You're going to kill yourself. You know, seriously, you're going to kill yourself. Lose some weight, please. Yeah, you know. So um, so Dominic Cruz, uh, he beat Kenny. Kenny is is completely credible. And it was a, 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 a credible win. He's not had, you know, the surgeries. I'd say he's back. I want to see him. I don't think he's lost battalion at all. It could be the old guy and me talking. But then he segues into this thing with this story, which now has become a story. Nobody heard about the guy from Monster Energy Drink. The rep who controls a spigot between he he runs interference between the between the UFC fighters is unstable. Please wait while we try reconnecting. Um, so okay, there we go. We're back. So this is not this is weird. I got a cable. I got no excuses for the slowness, man. I got to start to. Some guy had me on his show and he was using some other uh, caster, other an actual fact. I got to get off of YouTube because this is killing me. So, so, so anyway, Dominic Cruz, credible, credible performance, credible win, made me happy. There were a couple of other, uh, couple of other fights. Uh, uh, Kaylee Phillips has now become, went from don't care to care, as well as uh, there was one other, uh, Rogerio, um, who, who uh, got beaten by Kai Carr, France, both, both guys. Have become um, have become cares. So there were, but the whole fight in and of a car. Like I've I've often made the analogy between drugs and MMA. Oh, right, Mr. P's here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you're a little late, but that's okay. Uh, better late than never. Um, and I made the, the comparison, and I, I and these were these were. You know what these were like? I, I don't know about you. But say the first time uh, I, I smoked weed, I was 14. And keep in mind, I grew up in the 60s, right? So, you know, you saw people in the 60s and they'd be smoking weed and they'd be like, oh, man, I'm, I'm so high. And, I'm, and I was like, okay, I'm in Stuyvesant Park on 15th Street between 1st and 2nd Avenue. And the guy said, hey, Eugene, you want to smoke? I was like, yeah, okay. okay. I, I guess I finished my last class of the day. Let me try. And so I smoke it, and I was expecting, oh, man, man, I was going to be Captain Freakout on Planet Far Out. Hey, nothing. I go, you know, maybe I'm not smoking enough of this. And then that is my, my six-month journey of smoking weed three times a day, every day for six months, nothing. Nothing. Which, of course, made me think, all of this TV stuff about drugs was bullshit. So I'm in the disco. People say, uh, hanging out with these Colombian cats. Uh, and they're like, Eugene, uh, you want to try some Coke? I'm like, oh, yeah, man. Because I see people Coke and they're like, I like the Coke. Nothing. Nasal drip and my face feels kind of uh, numb, buzzy. It's probably bunk. Probably bunk weed, bunk, bunk Coke. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Song, yeah, yeah. Song Yadong. Yeah, I picked him. I picked him to win. That was one of my cares. I picked him to win, and he got schooled. And the cat that schooled him is now a care. But I, he's, I think he's educable, and he'll come back if they have a rematch. But they're so far. They're not in the top, top three or four or five. I can't remember his ranking, but you know, he's an easy guy to forget. We'll see. So. You know, you, you just—I kind of expected more. It feels very much like that. Stuyvesant Park, 1976, being past the joint, expecting I'm going to be dancing in the, and nothing, nothing. That was last night's fight. That was last night, and and and, and the reality of it is, I have to tell you, the one thing that made me. Actually, the one thing, I mean, do you realize, do you realize, I mean, I, 
let me see. Let me let me say it's the most laissez-faire way possible. Do you realize how cool and interesting it's going to be to be at Sarah Longo when Aljo comes in with that belt and Chris Weidman is there? <laughs> it's just going to be great for reasons that I can't even really kind of kind of elucidate. The, the, the wife is texting me from the other room. What is the, what's, there seems to be some sort of issue here. Uh, oh, she's falling asleep, so please don't scream at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, 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 have, I have spies back, back in New York. But it, uh, and, and, and this is why I tend to think, I tend to think that Aljo is, uh, is legit. By which I mean, I think he was really brain boggled. Having taken a knee to the head in one of the MMA matches I did, I, um, uh, in one of the MMA matches I did, I got, the guy had had some metal work done to his leg, a plate put in. I shot him, he sprawled, and I'm struggling to get back to my feet, and he, and I go, and I'm thinking, it's a good thing he hasn't thought to knee me. Right at that point, he decides to knee me. And I could feel a difference. <laughs> well, I mean, is, is Aljo a better man, a better fighter, or a better actor than Chris Weidman? I don't know. So the second, and I, then, I, then I'm, I'm sort of struggling. He's trying to keep me down. You know, I shot, he sprawled, and he's trying to turn it into something. He knees me once, and so now I'm struggling to get back up, and I go, he'll never knee me a second time. And, of course, he knees me a second time. And the second time, because I had gotten up further than I did the first time, the second time I actually had some heft and weight behind it. And that's why I, like, I got to get out of here. And I sat out and, and reversed And those were coming dead on. If I had taken it here on the temple, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, it's pretty clear to me that Weidman was trying to play the odds. And it was also pretty clear to me that Al Jermaine, if he had his druthers, didn't want to play the odds, but he was going to play the hand that he had been given. And Petter made that really easy. It wasn't like even Tyson where he bit Holyfield's ear the first time. And he goes, don't do that again. He was warned. And he did it a second time. And it was pretty clear. I just needed, I, I needed, I needed a key to get out of this. And you gave it to me. Thank you. That's what that was about. But last night, you know, there's the Abraham and Strauss thing, the always something thing. I don't, I don't think that the Petter is an always something guy, but there's this instinct an instinct toward failure that I think is part and parcel of Eastern European communities. All right, get back to work there, Mr. P. There's just something, and I keep in mind somebody, as somebody once so peakedly put it, Eugene, you know better than to step on your own dick. I know better but the temptation is still a step on your own dick sometimes. Yeah. So I, I have, excuse me, I have no explanation for why Petter did what he did. Well, this, you know, I told you a story about the whole Paramount deal, you know, where using the word, the adverb, finally, when I got the audition on Deep Space Nine, or I think, only it only it only took ten years. I didn't I, I didn't have to add that. The instinct I, I don't know what it is, and I, I it, it. Let me tell you, and this will wrap it up pretty perfectly. So I'm watching uh, Jan come in, and he's coming into this music, and it doesn't mean anything to me. Kasha stops, and says, huh. "I go what?" She goes, "His music." I go, what about his music? 
She goes, it's a theme song from a TV show, <laughs> like a 1950s, 60s TV show. I go, what's the show about? She goes, we couldn't figure out whatever you call, uh, it's too bad Mr. P is gone, he's military. Whatever you call somebody who drives a tank, I said, a tank operator. She goes, no, it's something else. I go, I don't know what it is in English. She goes, it's called four, let's just say drivers, four, or let's say tankers, four tankers and a dog. It was about a Polish military unit in World War II in a tank and their dog. <laughs> and she's telling me what the lyrics are saying. And the lyrics are saying, they expect us to lose, they expect us to lose, but lose or win, we'll fight to the death, or something like that. This is a TV show. <laughs> it's not Hogan's Heroes in Poland. Yes, thank you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Pansony, <laughs> thank you. Somebody else knows this too. All right. I mean, look, people in the southern states in America are still chafing over losing a war in 1865. 1865. I mean, if you lost a war in 19, whenever they invaded Poland, was it 1939? You might still chafe. You, you might have internalized. There are people suffering, suffering from that stuff today. My own family. Gosha lost relatives when the Nazis came in and inoculated everybody, inoculated everybody, and people started dropping dead from something. They were testing. Another relative was torn to death, torn to pieces by dogs. Okay, then the war is over, and then the Soviets come in, and another relative, they just ran his boat over. I go, well, maybe. Yeah, the commentary was, was terrible. And now Dan Hardy is having some sex assault problems. Oh, he was a friend of Knuckle Up. They're, they're dropping. His friends of Knuckle Up are dropping. I don't know what the story is. That's why I haven't talked about this show. If somebody finds it out, I'm sure this week it'll be a topic of conversation. Next fight, they're 14. Next weekend, they're 14, uh, 14 or 15 fights on the card. And I think I've chosen to care about two. So next week's a dog. Edwards and Mohammed, and because he's a friend of Knuckle Up, Ben Rothwell. I think those were the. Oh, and Angie Hill. She's a friend of Ozzy. So I, I three. I had three cares. A fifteen fight card. So you know, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, you know, I don't. I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah, yeah. I yeah. I don't want to be in their living room, Joe in D.C. I just don't. I'm just you know. <laughs> Those Germans are always nice to me. <laughs> but actually they weren't. <laughs> but um so I don't I don't know how to explain Jan. I'm hoping he doesn't turn into an always something guy. But it, it you know, Aljo is in a position, he says, I don't want to lose, you know, he could I mean, the biggest nightmare that Peter Jan has to deal with now is that he's never gets back to where he was. And that happens. Anyway, this is 155 of the uh, uh, Eugenius Robinson Showstopper. I'm Eugenius Robinson. Check out the newsletter. I can't scream to close the show because the kid just fell asleep for a nap. Thanks for listening. On Monday afternoon, Care Don't Care goes live. If you follow out uh, on Twitter, I'll tweet it out. Uh huh. Yeah, Rogan is, is not, not, not doing it for me. Not doing it for me. Yeah, I got $130 million in the bank. I somehow expect more out of him. And uh, Tuesday, we got uh, Care Don't Care. I'm sorry, Tuesday, we got uh, If the Shoe Fits and then the Hip Hop Evolution thing with uh, Kid Not Day and me and Alexi. Um, I think we already read the Bad Dreams thing for Ozzy. Uh, Bad Bad Leroy Brown, my newsletter, my, my piece for Ozzy newsletter, which comes out this week. And, oh, there's a great piece about a guy who accidentally smoked PCP. That might be happening this week as well. I'll tweet it out. Mr. Sleep, the number three on Instagram. But if you've got your page blocked, nah, 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 forget it. I got to be able to see into your page first before I let you see into mine. So that's the way that works. Anyway, this is the show. 
This is the yeah, that's what I'm hoping, Mr. B. That's what I'm hoping that it was just a mean streak and he was just like, you know, screw it. And that was just in the heat of the moment that, that was it. And he'll never make that mistake again. But I don't know. I know enough Eastern Europeans and I know the damage, the, like the Neil Young song, the damage that was done. Anyway, thanks for listening. Do not die between now and next week. I'll try to not to do the same. Uh, oh, I'll try to do the same, which is to not die. Um, we'll see. And uh, kids sleeping, so we'll just say, look what you make me do.